An airline pilot was flying over the southeastern United States when she called to the local tower saying, we're here at 35,000 feet, could you give us a time check? And the tower responded, which airline are you with? And the pilot said, what difference does that make? And the tower said, well, it makes a pretty big difference. If you're with Lufthansa or British, it's 1,600 hours. If, we're, if you're with United or Southwest Airlines, it's 4 o'clock. Uh, if you're with Frontier Airlines, it's, well, it's the small hand is on the 4 and the big hand is on the 12. And if you're on Spirit Airlines, it's, it's Thursday. So <laughs> the guidance that you need may be different depending on your situation and depending, I would say, from our text this morning, depending on how close you are to the Lord. And sometimes the guidance that we get from Scripture, it might even sound confusing. It might even sound a little weird if you are not connected to Jesus. And I would say today is certainly the case as we talk about what the Holy Spirit through Peter's pen has to say to us when we go through some turbulence, when we go through a season of suffering or difficulty. Here goes 1 Peter chapter 4, starting verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial that you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. A little weird here. Rejoice. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the Spirit of God, of glory, and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear His name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God, and it begins with us. What will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. And while not every one of us perhaps is going through a difficult moment right now, I hope you're not. I know some of us are. And while I would be tempted to say that no one chooses to go through trials and struggles, I know that's not true either. There are people who do choose trials and struggles. A while back, I watched one, came across one of these documentaries. This was on Netflix had no clue what it was about, but I couldn't stop watching it once I started. It was about something called the Barkley Marathon. Um, it is every year a hundred-mile race through the briars and bramble of the mountains of eastern Tennessee. Hundred-mile foot race, marathon. It's difficult to get in. Only a few are invited. And if you get one of these invitation letters in the mail, it's not called an invitation letter. It's actually called a letter of condolence. So if you are lucky enough to get one of these 
letters of condolence, that's only the beginning. Actually finding the start of the race is challenging in and of itself. It's very much off the beaten track. And those who do get invited and, and do show up to compete are elite distance runners. Almost none of them will actually finish the race. In fact, many years go by where no one finishes the race. Very little of the course is run on trails. It is grueling precisely because you're running through this. I mean, you're running through wilderness. You're running through patches of thorns and uneven trails. Um, you're running up and down mountains. A lot of bloodletting goes on in this race. At one point, competitors race through several, several inches of water through a pitch-dark uh, sewer tunnel that runs underneath one of Tennessee's state prisons. If you don't complete the race, or in fact stretches of the race, within a certain amount of time, you're eliminated from the race. And I was fascinated by the course. I was fascinated by the race more than I was fascinated by the people they were interviewing that had actually shown up to put themselves through it. You have to be, you have to be well different <laughs> to want to show up and try a race like this. In 30 years, check this out, in 30 years, 1,100 men and women have showed up to race the Barkley Marathons, and in 30 years, exactly 14 have finished. And at roughly a 1% finisher rate, it is the world's hardest race. At the starting line, participants are allowed to use only a compass and a map. And to prove that you have actually run the race, the organizers have placed a book at some point along the race, it, War and Peace or some other book. And when you get back to the checkpoint, you need to have a page torn out of that book to show that you actually ran that stage of the race. No medical aid stations anywhere to be found. And running the full 100 miles of the race will take you in excess of twice the elevation gain of Mount Everest. So, yeah. Nikki Rain, who's a 40-year-old Australian, showed up to run the race. She finished a fifth of it before she succumbed to it. She made this comment. She said, you don't come here to be victorious. You come here to be humiliated. It's lonely out there. It's eerie. You have to be comfortable being inside your own head. Everyone comes back pretty broken. I think you could say that about life in general. Everyone comes back pretty broken. And some of you may feel right now that you're in the midst of your own personal Barkley Marathon, only you didn't sign up for this. You may find yourself in a season of suffering and wonder if you can continue on, if you'll be able to take on the next leg of the race. And I think it is easy for us to kind of lose our bearings and get off track in different ways through our lives. It's easy for us to kind of break down and quit to be sure. It takes endurance to, as Paul said, run the race that God has set out for us to run. And before we dive a little deeper into that text from 1 Peter chapter 4, what I want to do, and I like to do this every time we talk about suffering or we talk about trials, because I do think it helps gives us, gives us, give us perspective. 
um, it is to talk for just a few minutes about what are the possible sources of my pain, or in general, of, of pain and suffering in the world, where does that come from? And the first one, which is probably the hardest one for us to come to terms with, is that a lot of it comes from ourselves, right? Number one there on the outline this morning, one of the sources is my own foolish choices or actions can lead to pain. It may be that I'm suffering right now because of a choice I made in the past, a decision I made or did not make, something I said, something I didn't say. Paul says in Galatians 6, 7, you will always harvest what you plant. If you have a different translation, you will reap what you sow. Um, whatever you do, there are consequences to that. And some of them are good and some of them aren't so good. Um, so it may be the situation you find yourself in that you're trying to climb out of is a situation directly or indirectly of your own making. Sometimes we're just doing that. We're harvesting what we've planted. Um, if you chose to marry that high school sweetheart who everybody said was wrong for you, but you chose to marry him anyway, well, you're harvesting what you sowed there. If you chose to drink the water in Mexico on your vacation a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> if you got that great deal on a cell phone, so you chose to buy that IED that's called the Samsung Galaxy Note 7, <laughs> good luck with that. You chose that. By the way, if you ever own a cell phone that is banned by the FAA, you literally cannot enter an airplane with it, yeah, probably not a good purchase. Well, God honors our freedom. He honors our dignity by respecting our choices, by allowing us to chart our own paths, and that means we are free to drive into a ditch. We are free to choose things that will create pain in our lives. So that's one cause. Another, and this is closely related, but I wanted to draw a little distinction because this one is tied more into the spiritual side of things. It would be sin. It's that my sin or sinful addiction can lead to pain, right? And this goes beyond just a foolish decision, a rash decision, uh, a word uttered in haste or something that got me into some trouble. This is actually, we're dealing with sin, and we all, okay, we all struggle with sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. So I'm not just pointing a finger at you, I'm pointing the finger at all of us here, right? Galatians 6, 8, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest what? They will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. So there are times when we have given the enemy a foothold in our life or we've created an addictive habit, a cycle of sin in our life. It's gossip or it's, it's losing our temper with our kids or it's just being self-centered, um, we've ended up hurting ourselves and, and very likely hurting people that we care about because of our sinful choices. And sin, according to Paul, it leads to this particular harvest of decay, death, death of a marriage, decay in a relationship or a friendship, um, death and decay. And in terms of addictions and hang-ups, I'm you know, I think we could all share our own personal stories and spend the day doing that, but that probably wouldn't be terribly edifying to us 
uh, to talk about all the mistakes we've made this morning. Okay, so, so third, this is the one that a lot of people struggle with. In fact, it keeps some people from ever coming to the Lord. It's that how could God be good, right? How could God be good and be all-powerful if the world is this messed up? How would God let that happen if what you say is true about God? And so it's number three. It's that my pain may be caused by the reality that I live in a fallen world. That this is not the world as God intended it to be in the beginning. That the natural world has been, let's say the software of the world has been infected by a virus. So it is not running the way it was supposed to run. And there are several, you could start in Genesis 3 or we'll just go to Romans chapter 8. The creation... So the natural world, the physical world, the universe, the creation was subjected to futility. Creation itself, this is good news at some point, right? It will be set free from its bondage to decay. The whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. The world we live in now is not as it should be. When we sinned, and I won't just single out Adam and Eve because we have all sinned. When we sinned, we threw the world off kilter. And you may never thought about this, but you know, we wonder sometimes Jesus and the miracles that he performed. Um, why did he do that? Well, he did that to prove his authority, to prove that he was who he said he was, the Messiah, the Son of God. But he also did it, I believe to give us a glimpse, a taste of how the world is supposed to be and how it one day will be when all things are consummated under His dominion. And so when He healed a blind person or a deaf person or caused the lame to walk or cast out a demon or raised someone from death to life, He's giving us, he's giving us a glimpse. So if you wonder, why, did, why didn't He heal everything? At, he will. He will. And he gave us a taste of what that's going to be like. Because this world is not as it is supposed to be. And that's because we've all fallen short and we've introduced this virus of sin into the world. When Jesus ministered, he showed us what it would be like without that someday. And so some of the suffering that we endure, the cancer, leukemia, car accident tornado takes the roof off of your house. It's just because we live in a fallen world. It's not because you're being singled out or something. Right? And finally, and this is really the, the cause of suffering that we read about in 1 Peter chapter 4. Finally, sometimes you're not suffering because you did something wrong or you did something sinful. Sometimes we suffer because we're doing what's right. Sometimes it's precisely because we've chosen to follow Christ that we're enduring pain. So four, the pain may be caused because I've chosen to do what's right. You know, they say historically that 11 out of the 12 apostles suffered a martyr's death. In other words, they died because of their faith in Jesus. Stephen died because of his faith in Jesus. Sometimes we suffer because of our faith in Jesus. The text says in 1 Peter 3, 14, but even if you should suffer for what is right, suffer 
for what is right. You are blessed. So the men and women who run the Barkley Marathon, well, they choose a certain kind of suffering, I guess you could say. I don't maybe understand fully why, if they're just trying to prove something to themselves or test the limits of their endurance. But when you chose Christ, when you chose Christ, when you put Him on as your Lord and Savior, you, let's be clear, you were not choosing the path of least resistance. And I'm sorry, you know. If you've heard a bunch of preachers, or you've read a bunch of books saying that, hey, follow Jesus, it'll make your life easier. Jesus never said that. The Bible never said that. I think you can make a, big, a good argument, much to the contrary. When the Lord you follow says something like, pick up your cross and follow me, he's making no promise that life will be easier. In fact, there will be some things about life that will get harder. It will be better. It's better. It's not easier. There may be pain precisely because you're following Christ. And so this is a perspective. We're calling this series different because normal isn't working. I don't think anything is more different in 1 Peter than the perspective that believers have on suffering. So choose your response. This is on your outline. When a time of suffering or crisis comes, there's a normal reaction, but believers can have a far different response. So what is normal, and what is this different response? You see, I believe normally we react. Normally, we're like a pinball shot around by circumstances and pain. As believers, we don't have to react. We can respond because we have this this gigantic hope that this world is not our home that something better is on the horizon. So Peter's going to walk us through what's normal and what we, can, what we can live in that's different. When it comes to suffering, normal is, well, it's being surprised. It's like, whoa, why is this happening to me? Um, what did I do to deserve this? That's normal. Different is, as a believer, it's different because I'm prepared. Look, I am not surprised at suffering and injustice and unfairness because I know this is not the world as it is supposed to be. It doesn't surprise me when that kind of stuff happens. In fact, it's part of our calling. We have the opportunity as the body of Christ to give our community, our city, and our world a glimpse of this something better. To give the world a glimpse of love and grace in difficult circumstances. To give the world a a glimpse of understanding and patience and kindness in a culture, in a nation that is divided. I'm surprised we're prepared. Also, what's normal in a time of suffering is sadness. It's a pity party. Oh, I'm always the victim. This kind of stuff always happens to me. Why is the universe conspiring to hurt me? As a believer, we can decline that RSVP to the pity party, can't we? Because we know we can rejoice in the midst of suffering. Verse 13, our Lord went through this. Now I have the opportunity to walk through it with him. 
Normal in a season of pain, normal is to feel isolated. It is to feel alone. It is perhaps even to feel abandoned. It's very normal. Different is to feel a solidarity, is to feel a partnership with Christ when you are in a time of struggle. And I've seen this play out so many times in the body of Christ. It's a beautiful thing to watch. It ties us together, and it ties us to the Lord. In verse 13, we find this partnership with Christ because Jesus and I are in this together. I draw nearer to Christ as I struggle and I have difficulty. Jesus suffered, right? Jesus suffered. Read the Gospels. We're not just talking about the cross. That was pure agony. Jesus suffered physical pain. Jesus suffered hunger. Jesus suffered fatigue and tiredness. Jesus suffered emotional pain. When the people he came from heaven to earth to rescue said, no thanks. He suffered emotional pain when his inner circle turned their back on him at his moment of great. He suffered. He struggled. And he left perfection to come here to endure all of this. Why? Because for God so loved the world. Because he loves you. And because he wanted to call you sister, brother, and bring you into the family of believers this community of faith. It's normal when you suffer to feel hopeless, especially if you have some sort of chronic situation. Some of you do. A situation that's just not going anywhere. You just feel hopeless. But as we started out this series weeks ago, Peter introduced us to a hope that is far greater than anything we will face in our short time here. And so we're not hopeless. We feel blessed if I'm a servant of the Most High, and this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, then I know that God's Spirit is at work in me and through me, even at the difficult times, so I'm blessed. Verse 14, the Spirit of God and the Spirit of glory rests on me. One of my favorite phrases from the entire book of 1 Peter. The Spirit of glory and the Spirit of God rests on me. If you're struggling, you can feel sidelined by pain. It's normal to feel the next thing would be weak, incapacitated. If you belong to Christ, then you know that He strengthens you even in your darkest hour. I would say, and I think Peter says, especially in your darkest hour, you experience the power of God in a special way. So you don't feel weak or incapacitated. You feel empowered, empowered. I trust God's faithfulness, so I continue, as verse 19 says, I continue to do good. Now, I may not be able to, depending on what your situation is, I may not be able to do the same things I did before, but I will continue to do good. So Paul experienced most scholars believe, and I think it's right, some sort of chronic illness, painful chronic illness, because he called it a thorn in the flesh. Don't know exactly what it was. But we do know, because Paul journaled it for us, we do know he asked God on multiple occasions, take this away, heal me. And he went around all the time in the name of Jesus healing people, even raised Eutychus from the dead. 
And so when he prayed, God listened, but this time Jesus comes to him and says, No, I'm not answering that prayer. You need this, Paul. So Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, That is why, for Christ's sake, I... It's kind of different. I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I like the way Peterson translates this in the message. Paul writes, Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And the weaker I get, (laughs) the stronger I become. Finally, through a season of pain, it is normal to feel discouraged. And let me say this. This sermon is not not trying to make you feel guilty. If you're struggling and you feel a little discouraged, that is normal. But you can feel something beyond discouraged. You can feel hopeful. Trusting in Christ, our different perspective is that. It's hopeful. This world isn't all there is. What you're going through today isn't all there is. It's not the end of your story. Death is not the end of your story. Verse 13 says, Look, I know that pain is a tool that God uses to refine me and to strengthen me. So a lot of perspective, a lot of guidance. And it's pretty different. And so we pray, God, help us. Help us to look at the world through your grace that we have received. Help us to look at our situation through your love and your calling on our lives. Now, I want to finish with a song I'm not going to sing. That would be a a different kind of suffering. Um, But Casting Crowns wrote a song, and the lyrics, I just think, speak to this kind of situation. It's called Just Be Healed. Hold it all together. Everybody needs you strong. But life hits you out of nowhere and barely leaves you holding on. And when you're tired of fighting, chained by your control, there's freedom and surrender. Lay it down and let it go. If your eyes are on the storm, you'll wonder if I still love you. But if your eyes are on the cross you'll know I always have and I always will. And not a tear is wasted. In time, you'll understand. I'm painting beauty with the ashes. Your life is in my hands. Lift your hands and lift your eyes. In the storm is where you will find me. And where you are, I'll hold your heart. I'll hold your heart. Come to me. Find your rest in the arms of the God who won't let go. The chorus goes like this. So when you're on your knees and answers seem so far away, you're not alone. Stop holding on and just be held. Your world's not falling apart. It's falling into place. I'm on the throne. 
Stop holding on and just be held. Stop holding on and just be held. So no matter what you're facing today, know this. Jesus is on the throne. Jesus Jesus took on the suffering of this world, in fact, beyond anything that we have to deal with, and He overcame. Amen? He was killed, and He rose from death to life. He knows exactly what you are going through. He cares. He loves you. He has not abandoned you. He's with you to help you. If you need prayers today, take advantage of this moment before we leave this place, the sacred space. Come before the throne of God and invite Him into your situation and the situation of one you love. We prayed over Chris and Lauren this morning. They weren't here. You're not here, right, Chris and Lauren? Okay. Um, I think they're down in Houston, MD Anderson, but we had a special prayer for them. Whatever it is that you're facing, take that before the throne of God. Pray over that. He loves you. He wants to hear from you. Maybe you need to cross that line of faith and give your life to Christ this morning. Be baptized into that gospel story, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Receive him as your Lord. You could do that. However you need to respond to God, do that as we stand together and worship.